to season two of Inside My Canoe Head, a podcast about individual emergency preparedness, living through a pandemic, reinventing yourself, and chasing adventure. My name is Jeff. Thanks for joining us today, and let's get to it. So this week, uh, I thought I'd take a little time to have some fun and have a look at all of these apocatop-type rumors about societal collapse and then kind of put it out in, in the possibility that maybe the 2020s are going to be the roaring 20s like they did 100 years ago. So why not? And let's look at it through the lens of a prepared individual. We'll take you, for example, that incredible person out there listening to this podcast that's thinking, all right, I am either a prepared individual or I am not a prepared individual or I don't have any idea whether I'm a prepared individual. Let's listen to what this guy has to say about all the things that could possibly come or the things that are coming and then what I should probably do about it. It's not complicated. You know, we call a prepared life and that's one in which you and your family are happy and joyful. You're pursuing your ambitions within a blanket of resilience. So you've created a plan for you by you. It's really fairly simple to achieve. It takes nothing but time, time is the most important commodity in the world. I understand that, but it's not money. So everything that we do here at Inside My Canoe Head doesn't cost you money. And the point that this podcast is free and available to you and the information for the vast majority of things that you're going to be learning or educated on or make choices about, they're going to be free. And that's the whole point. I can sit here and tell you, here's a list of $150,000 or the crap you need to buy to be a prepared individual, build a set of walls around you and wait for the societal collapse. Well, that doesn't do anybody any good. So with all this apocalypse talk online through social media, how are you to navigate that? How are you to understand what you as a prepared individual living in suburbia, somebody who wants to carry on with their normal life, how are you supposed to navigate all this crap that's out there and figure out what to do? Now, there's really a dichotomy of action. And this comes from, and I've spoken about it before, about Stoics. I'm talking about the capital S, not small s, Stoicism. And this is called the dichotomy of choice. And it simply is, everything in the world falls into one of two categories. Things that you can influence and things that you can't. Or otherwise known as things that are within your control and things that are not. Everything falls into one of those two. In other words, you should only spend any amount of time, fractions of a second even, considering and thinking about things that are within your control. So what are the threats we're talking about out there? Well, you've heard about climate change. You've heard the pandemic variants running around, economic bubbles, hyperinflation, the end of globalization, and a number of other situations that fall into the all-famous, all-hazards approach that you hear in emergency management. So, I mean, what is the average middle-class worker supposed to be doing? I mean, what literally short of building a bunker in your basement or digging a hole in the sand and driving your head into it, there has to be something logical that you need to do. And I'm here to tell you that really it's significantly nothing, but follow me and listen to me on this point and you'll understand what I mean. That's the point of preparedness in that you've been, you've taken the necessary steps to insulate you and your family from the effects of a turbulent world to the greatest extent possible. Therefore, there largely is nothing for you to do in the face of these potential disruptions. I mean, that's exactly what you should do. So so why are we listening to this podcast when I just told you to do nothing? Well, we want to go over those potential events, provide some context, and outline why doing substantially nothing 
is your best course of action if you've made the choice to become a prepared individual. And first, let's get climate change out of the way. Now, the IPCC, which is the International Panel on Climate Change, defines climate change loosely as the accelerated alteration to normal climate patterns as a direct result of human conduct. Simply put, the Earth is naturally warming right now as part of its four billion year old cycle. We just happen to be putting the afterburners on the timeline and accelerating what would normally happen as a result of normal shifts in the world's climate. I mean, let's be serious. We only have one planet. And in all intents and purposes, we don't have a second one. Even Elon Musk says we need to be an interplanetary, multiple planetary species to be successful. I'm not arguing that. I'm just saying you have one. So why not do a few things just to take care of it? I mean, the world will warm. And as a prepared individual, you need to respect your Mother Earth by examining how you interact with nature and just lessening your footprint. So the how is up to you. It's really, I mean, buy an electric car. Listen, in 10 years, you're going to be hard pressed on a lot to find a gas car. So if you don't want to join the parade now, that's perfectly up to you. I get it. You may not, you be maybe an incredible skeptic out there, but I'm telling you in 10 years, it is going to be exceptionally difficult for you or anyone else in North America or Europe for that matter, to be able to find a gas powered car for sale. There are a number of countries that are literally banning that 10 years from now. So just remember that. So you can do it now or you can do it later, but but that's going to be the reality we're living in. And it has nothing to do whether you like it or not. It has nothing to do with you agree with it or not. You and I as individuals are far too minuscule and far too insignificant to change the way the society is going. So what I'm saying is get on now, get on later, but you're eventually going to have an electric car or you're going to be a statistical outlier. One or the other, you can do that. And so you do it at the normal time. It doesn't cost you any extra money because you were going to procure a new car anyhow. Just choose an electric car. And they're getting cheaper and cheaper all the time. So it shouldn't cost you any more than you would normally spend on a regular vehicle. And there's a lot of things to go on with that solar panels and stuff. We'll set that aside. I'm just saying that's an option for you. You can become a no-waste household. You can adopt energy conservation in your power consumption. Just reduce the amount of power you consume. You can choose to work from home in the future, less commuting. All I'm saying is altering your behaviors to reduce your impact on the natural environment is in all intents and purposes free. The choices are readily available and the internet is full of great advice, full of all kinds of crazy advice too, but there's some great advice out there and none of these are substantial and their cost is nominal. Really, for you as an individual to address, address climate change, there's literally very little that you need to do, and it will cost you next to nothing to do that. Second is pandemic variants. Listen, I'll be frank and clear with you. Get your vaccine. It's free, and other than the AstraZeneca side effects, they have little or no side effects, period. So ignore the anti-vax movement and get your jab. Most scientists believe, like many of the other childhood vaccines currently in use, like your MMR, there will be a need for a booster sometime this year. So, so get the booster. It's your best defense against a virus is great personal health. And, and then lots of prepper channels tell you the same thing too. And I've said it many times. You have one body to carry through this awesome thing called life. Take care of it. 
feed it real food, not manufactured goods. If your food comes out of a box in the center of the grocery store, it's not food. It's called a manufactured good. Exercise, laugh, love, and be ready to fight the next pandemic that comes around because there will be a next one. So really, there's nothing that costs any money. You eat good food. Good food is cheap. You exercise. And I'm just, I'm not talking about joining the gym. Just go for walks, go for a run, do a bunch of push-ups. get yourself in shape, improve your ability to exercise. There is a great old philosopher who said, human beings were meant to walk long distances, sprint for short periods and periodically carry heavy loads. And if you just follow that acronyms, you're going to live an awesome life. But seriously, get yourself into best personal health and that's how you fight the next pandemic. It's the best that you can do as an individual. Third, everybody's talking about these economic bubbles. I mean, seriously, this one could hurt and it could hurt bad. And it all depends on how you set up your life and your financial exposure. You know, if you believe certain individuals on social media, there's an exceptionally overvalued stock market that's ready to burst. It's not my job to tell you whether that's right or not. It's my job to tell you this is what's out there. And you can't control that. I mean, you need to diversify your portfolio if you're an individual who has investments. This is just smart strategy to do anyhow. And, and how do you do this for free? Well, the best book ever written on the subject called Unshakable by Tony Robbins. And trust me, I've read them all. It's summed up all over the internet for free. And in essence, what he says is don't carry debt. Invest in stock market and bond ETFs. Have some emergency cash sitting around and then go live your life. That is really no more complicated than that. You shouldn't be paying investment advisors and all this other stuff. But but it's all available free of charge. If you go to Tony Robbins Unshakable and Google it, there's all kinds of summaries out there. Follow that. If the stock market collapses, which it has every time, about every eight to ten years over the history of the stock market, and it will again, there's a great YouTube episode from Ray Dalio on the economic cycle if you really want to understand why that keeps happening. But it's bounced back better every time. So the, what you really need to consider is, will I lose my job or will the person in my family with the primary employment income lose their employment if the stock market collapses? If so, then you got to go back to examine that portion of your emergency preparedness family plan that deals with pivoting to a second career. This is the plan that says, if I lose my primary line of income, I have three or four, as most families should. If I lose my primary line of income, how long is it going to take me to pivot to my second career, which I have identified for? In some cases, it's going to take a couple of weeks. In some cases, it may take a couple of months. So that's the size of the emergency fund you will need as you pivot to your second career. For example, if you are a truck driver as a primary occupation, but you're a pretty good handy person, you know, you can use all your tools, you can do electrical plumbing, you don't have the certification, but you're a really good handy individual. That could be your second career. How long is it going to take you to park the truck and pivot to earning enough income in that to pay your basic expenses? That may take three or four weeks to get that thing set up and up and running. You know, it costs $200 to start a business in Canada. That's it. No more expensive than that. You say a week. So now you know the size of your emergency fund you need to have and you're ready to pivot to that secondary income. So once you've got that, you know, sorted and, and set aside, let's be serious. Just go back to living and having an awesome life. 
There's really nothing to do here if your plan is rock solid. You can't control the stock market, okay? And selling when it, when it crashes is the, the stupidest thing you could ever do. You just keep dumping your monthly contributions in there, no matter what you see on TV. And the only time this situation changes is if you're within, say, four or five years of needing to pull that money out as your retirement income, then you're going to change your balance strategies, etc. But from that perspective, there's really nothing for you to do other than make sure that your plan is solid. And fourth, let's talk about hyperinflation. And hyperinflation, by definition, it's kicking around the internet. But literally, by definition, it's when the average price level across the entire economy rises by more than 50% month to month. And when we talk about aggregate, we're talking about macroeconomics. So we're talking about the price level for everything in society. We're not talking about a single commodity. We're not even talking about a sector of the economy. We're talking about the average price level across the entire country goes up by 50% every single month, month over month. That's not going to happen in the developed world, full stop. Take that, park it, it ain't going to happen. Right now in Canada, we do, we do have exposure to inflation. Estimates are that it remains outside the Bank of Canada's target of 1% to 3% per year, year over year, but it's not out of control, which means it's probably about 35 to 4.5% year over year. The danger that I see here is that the average family in Canada has saved about $5,000 over the pandemic. Across the country, they're looking at about $12 billion of unexpended disposable income sitting in saving accounts and vehicles around the country. And then when all these restrictions are lifted, because remember up here in Canada, we're still opening our doors slowly. I mean, I got a haircut book from a week from now and it's, it's hilarious. That's why I'm not doing any YouTube videos right now. But the point is, is that we are going to open. So once we open, there's going to be an orgy of spending as everyone is coming out to re-engage with society. They're going to buy things. The danger is that most will not see the rise in prices because that, will be, that won't impact them because of the size of their savings. By valuing the experience and the goods over their inflated prices, you won't have that issue. This will mean that only after about a year it'll take Inflation will become a significant concern for the nation and the government will rise the bank rate to slow price growth. I've explained all this before in a previous, but it basically means the bank rate is what the Bank of Canada lends money to the major banks. The overnight rate is what they rate. They pass money back forth between. And that's what all of your credit card rates are based upon. So the reason that's important is because this will affect those who carry variable or revolving line debt. So it's so if you have a line of credit, a credit card or a variable rate mortgage, when the bank when the Bank of Canada has to respond to inflation in 2022 and start raising the rates, you're going to be in trouble because your payments are going to go up. Now if you're on a fixed payment for a vehicle or you're on a fixed payment, you have a fixed mortgage, it won't affect it at all. Everything will carry on. This is the revolving credit that is the big issue, which is your lines of credit your home equity lines of credit, and any credit cards that you have. So hence, really, there's nothing to do but normal behavior. Stay out of consumer debt and enjoy the living you-know-what out of life and have a really good time. All right, the next one we want to talk about is the end of globalization, which is really neat, I find, because I follow uh, Peter Zion, Z-E-I-H-E-N, 
And he's one of the major thinkers that talks about what the world is going to look like in the post-globalization world. Because unless you've had your head in the sand, you've realized that the pandemic has been a bit of catalyst, but really for the last five or six years, the world has been disengaging from globalization. It's not becoming a more interrelated world. It's becoming a less interrelated world. And the pandemic has taught us and it will accelerate the decade where, and this is going to be the decade where most of the Western nations are going to reshore manufacturing capacity for necessary and critical goods. Reshoring means we're not going to make it overseas. Like, you know, 90% of the IV bags in the world were made in Puerto Rico and it got smoked by a hurricane. Everybody realized that's probably not a good idea. The vast majority of over-the-counter medications and basic antibiotics are all made in India right now. That's not a good thing if the Indian government cancels the export permits for the country. And there's nothing any of the rest of us can do. So you're going to see a lot of these critical and necessary uh, capacities being pulled out of international locations and brought back into domestic or integral production capability within most countries. There'll be an inward looking at our international affairs. And for most nations, especially the United States, they'll be largely disengaging from the international trading world. I mean, international trade, other than Canada and Mexico, represents about 3% of the U.S. GDP. They could literally stop trading with the rest of the world and barely feel it. Globalization as a framework for the world is dying and it's being replaced with what existed formally prior to it, which were a few but strong alliances and largely blocks of nations, something like the EU, the African Union, the ASEAN, which is the Organization of Southeast Asian Nations. You know, if this intrigues you, look up Peter Zion. He's a brilliant prognosticator on what is coming and what the coming decades will look like. Uh, so for you in the suburbs, what does this mean? What it means is that some of the necessary items in your life is going to have a slight increase in the price level because of their reshoring and their manufacturing uh, there'll be some competitiveness to that market, but for the large part, you're going to see the a little bit higher than standard inflationary rises in the price level for these type of goods as they're brought back to wherever you may live. And the point is, is that it's not going to be an egregious amount of money, but it's going to be a slight increase. So really, there's not much to do other than make sure that your emergency fund is where it should be based upon that emergency preparedness plan that you did. So lastly is the myriad of others. I like to call it the multi-headed hydra from mythology. I mean, like in emergency management, there's this thing called the all hazards approach that they like to use. And so basically it's an all hazard assessment of let's look at everything that could possibly happen. And, and that works in certain very scripted and specific worlds. You're not in one of those. And I'm going to tell you right now, the all hazards approach is not appropriate for an individual or even a community, I would argue. You can attempt to think through every possibility and warm game, everything that can happen to the world, or you can follow advice that I've kicked out in these blogs that have been in all my past episodes of Inside My Canoe Head, is that you embrace disaster impact reduction. And this is where you examine your exposure and dependence on the 10 sectors of critical infrastructure and you develop micro plans for each in order to ensure the continued normal family operations. 
So what it essentially means is you bring those 10 micro plans together and you've constructed a rock solid, personally designed emergency preparedness plan for your family free of charge. We, and the saying we love to use is, we don't care why utilities are no longer functioning. We care what we plan to do about it. So instead of worrying about your tornado, your earthquake, your flood, your ice storm, your hurricane, and whatever hazards you may be exposed to in your area, let's talk about loss of power. All five of those can knock out the power. Instead of having five different plans, let's talk about the power. The power goes out, what is your options? What are you going to do? So you have that plan, you've perfectly addressed the loss of power due to any hazard. Simple, nothing to do but follow the plan. And if you don't have a family plan, just sit back and, and go back to my season, this season when I did the episodes on individual emergency preparedness on this podcast and the steps and methodology. I have a 12-step plan that I've laid out on how you get your family to a point where you can continue living an awesome, incredible life in suburbia or your urban environment, integrated and in doing the wonderful things you, your family love to do but doing so with a wrap of insulation of resilience and preparedness around you. And it really costs nothing. There may be in the end, based upon how the plan structures out for you, a few things that you need to consider acquiring. None of those things will likely be found on any list in an emergency kit. The idea is, is you're going to develop the plan specifically for you, for your family, and for your own family's individual needs, which are going to be separate and different from your neighbors. So navigating the expected apocalypse, it's not difficult. It really isn't. In fact, it requires substantially nothing. Once you've got that prepared individual mindset, and that's the first thing. If you look at my first episode past the introduction, it's all about the mindset. You have a plan. And therefore, with that blanket of resilience, it's near free to become a prepared individual. So remember, it's the salesman that's trying to tell you that preparedness costs money. If people are telling you to go out and buy a bunch of things to become prepared, they are salesmen. When you listen to a salesman, it's a completely different psychological response to somebody saying, hey, listen, if you're a minimum wage earning family member, you can become prepared more resilient and better set up to deal with disruptions of life without having to start making it rain with your cash card, okay? That doesn't need to happen. And I'm sick and tired of people saying it costs a lot of money and there's financial barriers to preparedness. That's just an excuse for an individual not wanting to take the time to plan properly. And it's all laid out on previous episodes of this podcast. You can reach out to me directly at jeff at preparednesslabs.ca. Look at my website. We offer services one-on-one, -on -one, but the point is it's really not that difficult. It requires substantially nothing. And I'll tell you one thing. If it's the first thing that you should do when you decide to become a prepared individual is go meet your neighbor. That crazy old man across the way may have a basement full of preparedness stuff. He's an expert and he's always got a weary eye on you. He thinks you're worthwhile, but you've never come over to say hello. And building your sense of community is the number one thing that we, we do. And my studies 
if you've listened to the podcast before, you know that my full-time job is a PhD candidate. I'm in the last year of doing my PhD in public policy after finishing a 20-plus year career in the Army. I'm looking at emergency preparedness as my, my focus of my study for my PhD. So I spend all day buried in the literature and what people are saying about this. I'll tell you, we can go back to the 1923 Kobe, Japan earthquake, and I can lay out the evidence for you. People with a strong sense of community, people who have strong bonds with their fellow members of their immediate community and their greater family have far better outcomes post-event than other people. That's just proven evidence. So when I say go meet your neighbor, I'm telling you to do what evidence says to do. Evidence doesn't say go buy a year's worth of food and put it in your basement. Evidence doesn't say go buy a firearm and a thousand rounds of ammunition. That's not what the evidence tells us to do. So if you want to follow what actually has been proven to work to date, go meet your neighbor, build that sense of community. Know everybody on your street or in your apartment building and their needs. If you have a vulnerable member of the population within your apartment building and then the fire alarm goes off, granny two stories up can't get down by herself. And if she doesn't have friends and family in the building, how is she going to get out? That's a sense of community. When I grew up, I knew the names of everybody on my street, a little bit about them. They knew me, that you had that sense. Nowadays, we are a society of individuals. I live in a townhouse development, rows on both sides, and I only know a handful of people in this neighborhood. So I have to listen to my own advice and meet more of my neighbors to build that sense of community. So go out there, build that sense of community, make that preparedness plan for your family, follow the advice here, ask me questions if, if it doesn't make sense or there's something that doesn't make there. It'll cost you an exceptionally small, if not nothing, in an amount of money to become a prepared individual. And then you feel far better when you lay your head on the pillow at night, you sleep better, you get up tomorrow and you worry less. Your stress level comes down, your anxiety comes down, and you start once again really, really enjoying life. And then guess what? Just like the title says, 2020s will be roaring for you. It may be a wild ride, but it'll be roaring and a great time. So thanks again for joining us this week on Inside My Canoe Head. Please, if you have any suggestions for future shows or anything else, drop me a line at jeff at preparednesslabs.ca. Vote, rate us, share. Send us out to your friends or family, good, bad, or indifferent. If you think I'm nuts, tell me I'm nuts. I'd love to hear that. If you think you want me to talk about something else, you need to tell me. I don't read minds. We're going to continue on this genre and keep talking about apocalyptic talk for a couple of weeks, and then we're going to move on to something different. So thanks for joining us. Remember, get your jab. Science doesn't lie. Do a few things. Take care of Mother Earth. Love your family. Laugh and have a great week. We'll talk to you soon.